0: Hey, it's Janice from Discovery. Curiosity Daily's success over the years means we have an amazing archive to pull from. Take a listen to this episode from a few years back to get smarter in just a few minutes. We'll be back with fresh episodes soon.
1: Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you learn about why students with greater
0: emotional intelligence do better in school scientists solved an 80-year mystery of how atoms split, and an adorable discovery that changes what we know about the canine brain. Spoiler! It involves wolf puppies! Get ready for a cuteness
1: overload! Let's satisfy some curiosity. Your intelligence quotient, or IQ, isn't everything. According to new research published in the journal Psychological Bulletin, high intelligence is great, but we absolutely have to pay attention to EQ. As in emotional intelligence. I mean, emotional quotient technically, but technically, we're yeah. gonna call it emotional intelligence. That's what most researchers do. Yeah. So the researchers in this study found that students do better in school when they can understand and manage their emotions. And emotional intelligence is relatively new to academic research. The concept was first conceived in the 1990s, and it refers to your ability to monitor and discriminate between the emotions of both yourself and others, and to use that knowledge to guide your actions. Past research suggests that people with high emotional intelligence generally perform better at their jobs and experience greater health and well-being throughout their lives. That's why a lot of schools have started social and emotional learning programs to help develop students' emotional intelligence, or EQ. There's some evidence that those programs can improve academic achievement, but this new research is the first time there's been a comprehensive meta-analysis that really digs into the effect. The researchers looked at data from more than 160 studies, representing more than 42,000 students, and they ranged in age from elementary school to college. They found that emotionally intelligent students get better grades and higher test scores, even when controlling for intelligence and personality. That may be because EQ helps students manage school-related feelings like test anxiety, boredom, and disappointment, so they would avoid being thrown off course by those challenges. That keeps kids on track for success. Plus, if a student can figure out how to understand human motivation and emotion, they also have an advantage in subjects like history, language, and literature. You might not need to discriminate between complex emotions in order to understand a chemical reaction or algebraic formula— but it does help if you need to understand a great work of art or literature. But the answer here isn't to test emotional intelligence in schools and target kids with low emotional intelligence. The researchers say that would be a mistake, as that could stigmatize those students and make them fall behind even more. Instead, schools can work on everyone's emotional intelligence, teachers included. That way, everyone benefits.
0: It turns out that when you split the atom, it doesn't split evenly. And now, scientists know why. A new discovery has solved an important mystery about how many of the elements that make up the universe came to exist. This is huge. This all has to do with fission, which is the scientific term for splitting an atom. In fission, the protons and neutrons in an atom's nucleus are split apart, which forms two smaller nuclei and releases a lot of energy in the process. That energy is what gives nuclear reactors and atomic bombs their power. Scientists have a pretty good idea of how fission works, but they've spent 80 years scratching their heads over one confusing detail. See, atomic nuclei can have different shapes depending on how the protons and neutrons fit together, but they're almost always symmetrical. Some nuclei are round and some are elongated like an American football. These configurations don't require a lot of energy to stay together, so they're stable. But on rarely seen occasions, fission can also produce asymmetrical nuclei that are pear-shaped. Instead of splitting into two spherical halves, the atom splits into two distorted, uneven fragments. So there's a larger one and a smaller one. Nuclei with 50 protons, like that of tin, are super stable. So that's the kind of thing you'd expect a heavy atom to split into. But physicists have been surprised that heavy atoms tend to produce a pear-shaped nucleus with the 54 protons of xenon in their experiments. So why is nature so into xenon? Thanks to new research, scientists might finally know. Researchers used a supercomputer to model how quantum forces would cause protons and neutrons to rearrange themselves during the moment of fission. They discovered that the resulting large nuclei like to end up with 54 protons because of several competing forces that act on the protons and neutrons while the original atom is splitting. A force called Coulomb repulsion forces the two new nuclei apart the instant fission begins. That makes it impossible for the larger fragment to take the spherical, very stable arrangement of 50 protons that researchers had expected. The pear shape is a record of the nucleus's history. This new information explains how some unexpected elements can form out of the nuclear fission process. And knowing how this happens helps us to understand more about the ingredients that make up the universe.
1: So xenon, for instance, we see that and we're like, where would that come from? Because it looks real weird. Exactly. And we knew that was because atoms split in uneven shapes, but we didn't really know why. And now we do. Yeah. And that uneven shape is a record of the nucleus's history.
0: Right. It's a record of how it was split in the process
1: that's pretty interesting. So obviously it's a pretty huge deal that scientists figured out why atoms split unevenly, but there's something else they discovered recently that's a little more adorable, and it has to do with wolf puppies. Your cuteness meter is already going off the charts, right? Well, as if snuggling up with adorable wolf pups isn't precious enough, a team of Swedish scientists recently discovered that some wolves can also play fetch, And if you can get past how delightful that is, then here's why this matters for science. This discovery changes what we know about the canine brain. Now, there's a ton of variation among dogs. I mean, just look at the difference between a huge Great Dane and a tiny Chihuahua, or a nearly hairless Chinese Crested and the mop-like coat of a Commodore. All of these differences are a result of domestication, which is the process by which a wild animal is adapted to live with humans. We don't know exactly when or where dogs were first domesticated, but our best guess is somewhere between 18,000 and 33,000 years ago. Just a ballpark. There are two leading theories about how our relationship with man's best friend first came to be. One idea is that ancient humans took in orphaned wolf puppies, caring for the tamest and culling the ones that were too aggressive to handle. The other thought is that dogs domesticated themselves, Tame wolves who scavenged near early human settlements ate better than their wily counterparts, and that meant that they were more fit and therefore more likely to reproduce. We've believed for a long time that dogs developed the cognitive abilities necessary to follow human cues after becoming domesticated. In fact, that's the whole reason researchers at Stockholm University were using wolf puppies. They wanted to see how the cognitive abilities of domesticated and wild canines were different. They figured that if a stranger threw a tennis ball for both of them and asked them to bring it back, the dogs would retrieve the ball and the wolves wouldn't. So they were stunned when several of the eight-week-old wolf puppies actually fetched the ball. Looking back, the researchers admit it makes perfect sense. Pups that responded to human directions probably had an advantage in those early stages of domestication, so it's reasonable that some wolves would still follow human cues today. So maybe we didn't train dogs to be our best friends as much as we think. Maybe dogs were ready to be our friends all along. Aw. Maybe dogs were just the friends we made along the way. <laughs> Before we recap what we learned today, we have a quick correction. Remember on Friday when we told you we have a new studio phone line and you can leave us a voicemail? Yeah. So apparently we gave you the wrong number.
0: Hey, when uh, when successful people admit their failures, <laughs> they're more likable. <laughs> I heard that somewhere. I heard that
1: somewhere, too. <laughs> I, this is my fault. Look, we have fact checkers and writers and people that make sure that all our science is right, but apparently no one was around to make sure that Cody knew the right number for the studio line. So I apologize for that if you tried to call us and leave us a voicemail. Here's the real phone number. I promise I just called it three times to make sure. The studio number is 312-596-5208. So you can call us, leave us a voicemail. Again, that's 312-596-5208. And that number is, of course, in the U.S. So if you're an international caller, you'll have to look up instructions for dialing international codes and all that stuff. But our U.S. phone number for sure is 312-596-5208. And you can call and ask listener questions. And you may hear your voice on this podcast. Okay, so now let's recap what we learned today.
0: Well, I learned that EQ is just as important as IQ for academic achievement. If students can deal with their emotions and predict other people's emotions, they'll just be better in school.
1: Yeah. And I learned the very complex, but very well explained, Ashley, science of how scientists figured out why atoms split unevenly. And that's because of several competing forces that act on protons and neutrons. And that helps us understand more about the ingredients that make up the universe, NBD. And
0: I learned that some wolf puppies are born ready to play fetch with humans. Isn't that great?
1: Let's go. Let's do it.
0: Let's go find some wolf puppies. Don't. Don't do that. (laughs) Don't find wild animals and play with them. That is, we are not telling you to do that. But
1: oh my gosh, wouldn't it be cute? It'd be pretty cute. Although for the record, I grew up with a golden retriever. She didn't really like to bring the ball back. (laughs) You'd like throw it. She'd kind of grab it. Maybe give you a look for a second and then just kind (laughs) of trot off. Look for some squirrels to chase or something.
0: Well, then your dog and my cat are exactly the same because she'll run after a toy that I throw. She won't bring it back.
1: See, dogs and cats aren't so different after all.
0: (laughs) It's the friends we made along the way.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Today's stories were written by Kelsey Donk, Grant Curran, and Steffi Drucker and edited by Ashley Hammer, who's the managing editor for Curiosity Daily.
0: Today's episode was produced and edited by Cody Goff.
1: Join us again tomorrow to learn something new in just a few minutes. And until
0: then, stay curious.